Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome in. It's a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. If you can't tell by now, Chris, not in today. It's Elijah Herbal making a late switch. It's an audible. No huddle offense. Went over, looked over to the sideline. They put up the card and my face was on it. It's my turn to take the reins of the show today. Uh, Got a special show today called Winging It. Uh, That's a joke. I I have a fun show planned out today. Derek Peterson in uh, here in about 20 minutes, 425. Sounds like he's headed out to Kearney Catholic, going to go watch uh, some high school football. So excited to go talk with him and uh, and talk about the issue that's on everyone's mind right now, and that's uh, the vote, or maybe lack thereof, of a vote of the uh, Council of Presidents and Chancellors of the Big Ten today. There was the rumor out there, you know, that there would be a vote today, and by the end of the day today, the Big Ten could be announcing uh, a fall season beginning on October 10th or maybe October 17th and the day is moving on and it seems as if we have no vote going to talk with him about that maybe a little fantasy football before talking some high school football in about an hour the pride of Fairbury Bill Dolman going to be checking in from his uh, his home out in Colorado always excited to talk with Bill hoping for a better result than we had uh, last week where we had all the connection issues with Bill, got him in on Monday, and now getting him twice in one week, the honor of talking with Bill Dolman. He's coming up in about an hour. And then to finish out the show, we have some interviews with the head coach of Lincoln Southeast and the head coach of Lincoln Southwest. That's Ryan Gatula and Andrew Sherman, respectively, as it is high school football rivalry week, and that's where we are going to start the show today. Tonight, 8 o'clock here for our local listeners on ESPN Lincoln. Lincoln Southeast taking on Lincoln Southwest as a Lincoln Southeast grad. This one uh, just means a little bit more whenever you're taking on Southwest. Uh, and I remember my days at Southeast whenever you'd, uh, you show up to the field and uh, you'd see all your friends. You went to middle school with them. You played high school with them or you played football with them uh, in middle school. And you see those guys on the other side of the field and you wanted nothing more than to beat them. Uh, it was just, you know, if you went one and eight in the season, but you beat Southwest, the season was an accomplishment. The season was a win because Southwest, I mean, come on. If you have any thoughts on the show today, you can feel free to call in 402-466-3776. That's for our local listeners or 1-800-825-5865. Would love to hear from you. You can also tweet at the show at ESPN Lincoln or at Hale Varsity, as well as tweet at me at Herbal Essences. As I said, we had made the late switch Chris, not able to make it in today. Uh, That also means Jeff Motes will be on the call for high school football tonight here on ESPN Lincoln. Again, that's Southeast-Southwest. But it's more than just Southeast-Southwest this week. We'll get into that game a little bit more here in a second. But rivalry games across the state, looking up at Omaha, you got Bellevue East and Bellevue West going at it. That game has not been competitive in recent years, to say the least. Uh, since Michael Huffman has taken over at Bellevue West, which is four years ago, uh, I want to say uh, it's some absurd stat, like 250 to 36 
uh, the final scores in those games combined. Uh, Bellevue West over Bellevue East. But it's Bellevue West's first game of the season coming off that state title last year, looking to make a title defense. The thought is Omaha Westside going to be the team that is going to be uh, the biggest threat to them. Omaha Westside taking on Kearney tonight, who fell to Lincoln Southeast last week. But Bellevue East, Bellevue West should be a fun one. Uh, my roommate actually went to Bellevue East, and uh, he's got some poor memories from this game. He, he played football for the Chieftains up there at Bellevue East. And... Uh, this game was always so early in the year that it was it was a litmus test for both teams. And in his four years of high school, they got blown out every single year, uh, which happens. But he said that there's always the excitement going into that game. Maybe this is the year that Bellevue East takes down Bellevue West finally. Uh, Bellevue East only two wins over Bellevue West since 2000. So it's been a Bellevue West show in this game. But Bellevue East, you never know. They, uh, <laughs> they seem to favor themselves every single year, if you ask my roommate. Uh, shout out to Darren. He, uh, he doesn't like Bellevue East's chances tonight, though. I don't know enough about uh, Bellevue East to say for certain, but Bellevue West is a team full of playmakers. Uh, got Johnson, who is the wide receiver, headed out to Iowa. Son of Cluster, brother to Cade, who is now in the transfer portal. Excited to see what he does with his season this year. We also have Millard West and Millard North going at it. Millard North home of Eric Crouch, really brought that option attack to the forefront for Millard North. And I remember uh, through my time in high school, that was the hardest part of playing Millard North was that option attack because not many teams by the time uh, I got to high school, graduated in 2017, uh, by the time I got to high school, not many teams were running that option attack. Uh, so whenever you did get a game against Millard North, it was always so tough because uh, they're coming up running this quick triple option and you're not ready for it because no one else is running that. Everyone's running the spread, throwing the ball a lot, and then guess what? Millard North comes to town. You got to pony up and uh, and you got to be tough in your assignments up front. Uh, you got to trust you guys next to you. That game is always tough, just the option attack. That's how it goes. Millard West, on the other hand, uh, they were a good team last year. Not sure what the... Uh, the Wildcats are looking like this year, but they tend to bring that hard-nosed uh, attack. Uh, I, I didn't like playing Millard West in my time at Southeast. Got one game against them while they were the number one team in the state, and they really took us to town. That was my junior year. Uh, so bad memories from Millard West. But that Millard field up there is beautiful. Wish I could be up there to see that one. Another game around town, Omaha Scott in Waverly. This went out in Waverly. And not necessarily your traditional rivalry matchup here uh, in Nebraska, but Omaha Scott has knocked Waverly out of the playoffs uh, in the semifinal two consecutive years now as they went on to claim back-to-back -back state championships. Uh, don't quote me on that. That's off the top of my head. I'm not a Class B aficionado, but I do know that Omaha Scott has knocked out Waverly uh, from the playoffs these past two years. Waverly, you think, is going to be looking to get a little bit of revenge. That one should be a fun one. And the last one's Inner City. That's between Lincoln Christian and Lincoln Lutheran. And I have friends that went to Lincoln Christian. I have friends that went to Lincoln Lutheran. Uh, and I know this game does mean a little bit more. It's not the rivalry game that gets uh, all the talk in the capital city. That's Southeast and Southwest. But Lincoln Christian, Lincoln Lutheran should be a good one as well. Excited for all of these games. And again, Lincoln Southeast and Lincoln Southwest will be on ESPN Lincoln KLMS here in town. Tonight, kickoff at 8 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 7.50. Jeff Motes on the call. Lincoln Southeast has gotten the better of Southwest in recent years. 
three and one in the past four years, looking to make it four and one Southwest coming off that loss in Papio last week, looking to get things right against Southeast Southeast, obviously coming off that win uh, against Carney last week. They went down early and fought back to get the win Southeast. One of the interesting storylines is the sidelines uh, as Casey Rogers, the Husker and Isaac Gifford, former Knight and now current Husker are on the sidelines for that Southeast team for Southwest. Got Cameron Jurgens and Luke McCaffrey on the sidelines for that Southwest team doing a little coaching. Good to see them sticking with football despite the Big Ten's decision. And let's get into that Big Ten decision just a little bit. Because as I mentioned earlier, the rumor was that the Council of Presidents and Chancellors would be voting today in an attempt to bring back the Big Ten season by October 10th. This was after the report yesterday out of the Pac-12, Larry Scott that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten um, might be looking to coordinate their seasons, uh, get them playing at the same time. And this was in uh, coordination with that release from the Pac-12 about the rapid testing and just how quickly you could get tests turned around and see if players are healthy. You, I mean, you could test them two hours before the game, make sure they don't have COVID, they get out there and play a game, test them again after the game. Uh, that could be a breakthrough, which is huge. Uh, but again, the Council of Presidents and Chancellors seemingly did not vote today. According to the Journal Star's Chris Dunker, Ronnie Green uh, was not meeting with the other presidents and chancellors today. Rather, he was meeting this morning with the Secretary of Agriculture and then this afternoon meeting with some of the Nebraska regents. Was he talking about moving the season up to October 10th with the regents? I'd assume not. That seems like a far-fetched idea, and I don't want to put that out there. Um, but it's a possibility. It's a possibility. You also have Iowa AD Gary Barta, who said today that it would take a miracle for the Big Ten to be playing on October 10th. This really doesn't uh, go against what you've heard within the past week. Bill Moose saying earlier in the week that October 10th wasn't even in the conversation at the moment. Seems to be that the talk right now still centers around either Thanksgiving or a dome type uh, where they go get a host city and go play beginning around January 1st. I personally cannot stand the idea of playing around January 1st because you would be the least important football in the country at the time. With Thanksgiving, I know you're not playing uh, in the college football playoff. You're not playing for bowl games, and it seems just as unimportant. But it seems that month of Thanksgiving to Christmas where the the conference season is wrapping up, you get some championship games – Uh, And really not much else. You get NFL, uh, some playoff action beginning end of December into January. But not much in terms of college football. So I think you could still get a couple weeks if you do start those games uh, on Thanksgiving or the Black Friday. uh, That that month could be a Big Ten month. Where the, the month of December then is dominated by Big Ten football. Then you get into bowl games. The Big Ten finishes up its season. I don't think it would be as unimportant as, uh, as some would make it seem. What I do think would be an, just an unimportant and pretty stupid season all around would be starting it around January 1st uh, because bowl games are going on. I'd watch a bowl game before I'd watch some random Big Ten school Rutgers play Illinois. I don't want to see that. Go watch the Pinstripe Bowl instead of that. Go, go watch the Sun Life Bowl instead of that. All, all those matchups just seem so much more fun. They're, they're made to be good matchups, whereas the Big Ten and the matchups that would be going on uh, are not. Uh, and then especially once you get into January and then you're getting into playoff football where you know what the NFL does. They, they put those playoff games 
on Saturday, especially Wild Card Weekend. You'll get your games on Saturday, your games on Sunday. It's an all-weekend event, the NFL playoffs, those weekends in January, uh, especially now with the NFL this year. Uh, one more Wild Card team per conference. It just doesn't seem logical that you would be starting the Big Ten season around there. And then the Super Bowl is coming up, and that's going to take away from Big Ten football. And not to mention, a lot of the top players are going to be opting out because what's the point of playing around there? You're injured, or you're risking injury yourself even closer to the NFL draft. It's still not uh, uncertain if the season would be over before the NFL draft, uh, which leads me to my next point, which is the Football Oversight Committee, uh, the NCAA's uh, Oversight Committee for Spring Football. Uh, released recommendations for a spring football model for the conferences that have chosen to postpone their fall seasons. Brandon Vogel with a good write-up of this in Hale Varsity from a few hours ago. Still unclear when teams in the Big Ten would be able to play football. That is something that the com- or that the oversight committee stayed sh- away from. But there is a new potential end date, and that is April 17th. The season uh, would be recommended by this oversight committee to end April 17th. They also recommend... An eight-game season spread over a maximum of 13 weeks in the spring. And that model would allow for 15 practices over a 29-day period uh, once the season did begins. Next meeting scheduled for September 16th, at which uh, it is expected to vote on the proposal. Uh, there are some implications that Brandon got into in his article uh, that the 15 practice allotment would be the same number of practices that teams get for spring football and would only apply to schools playing their entire schedules in the fall or the spring. Uh, So essentially spring practices would still be upheld, but you cannot be playing in November and still get those spring practices. If you begin your season in November, play through the spring, those spring practices would no longer apply. If you're using your practices, uh, or if you're playing in the spring, you would then get to use your 13 practices uh, over a 29-day period in the fall. Um. But that is another nail in the coffin for that November idea or even the October idea is that if you're spilling over and you're doing games in the fall and the spring, uh, it's it's the NCAA doesn't like it. And it, it seems to be that the Big Ten uh, may turn away from that if that is the uh, the final vote from the NCAA Division One Football Oversight Committee. So, again, wrapping things up, looks like that October 10th date is unlikely. Uh and even in a system where uh, a November start date is the best option for the Big Ten, NCAA seemingly uh, wants to sh- stay away from that one. They want an all-fall or an all-spring schedule. Before we get out of here in this first segment, again, Derek Peterson coming up here in about five minutes. I want to talk a little bit of fantasy football. Hopefully going to get into this a little bit with Derek if possible. Um, but my fantasy football draft is Sunday night. And... I spent my day, rather than preparing for this show, preparing for my fantasy football draft because there's so many different ways that this could go. Uh, the, the 53-man roster being set today, a lot of cuts, and just could be a wild football season. I, I don't know which direction I want to go with this. Part of me, I have a late first-round pick, which then gives me a, a pick in the top of the second round. Patrick Mahomes, I don't think he's going to be available at the bottom of the first round. I think he's going to be gone. An option, though, Lamar Jackson. He could still be available. I, I don't play in a league that has a super flex. The quarterback is a little bit more undervalued. So I'm not sure if we're going to have two quarterbacks off the board in the first round. I, I have traditionally gone with a system in which I 
don't pick a quarterback until last in the league. It's a 12-man league, so I'm usually picking my quarterback somewhere around the 8th, ninth, 10th round because there's still a lot of value there. Ben Roethlisberger probably still going to be there. I see him having a good back, uh, bounce-back season. Another name that could be there, Josh Allen. He, he could continue his trend. He had a good sophomore season. Maybe he gets into his third season and does even more. Drew Locke. I mean, the story of the last two seasons has been a second-year quarterback going and winning the MVP. Patrick Mahomes two years ago, second-year quarterback, wins the MVP. Lamar Jackson, second-year quarterback, wins the MVP. Both those guys showed some flash at the end of their rookie year and went on to win the MVP in their second year. Drew Locke showed some flash at the end of last year. Is he that guy this year? I'm not saying MVP, but is he the guy that makes that jump in his sophomore season in the NFL? I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe more fantasy football thoughts coming up. Derek Peterson on the way. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in, it's a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris today. Chris has the day off. Uh, excited now to welcome in a writer for Hale Varsity, Derek Peterson, the good doctor himself. Derek, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like you're on the road out to Kearney today. I am, yeah. So uh, I got to assume heading you're... Heading out to... Uh... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I got to assume you're heading out to go watch uh, Heinrich Harburg and Kearney Catholic, right? Yeah, yeah. So we act, when, when uh, the Big Ten decided that it was going to do its will-they-won't-they they thing with the football season, um, when we thought that there was not a chance that there was going to be fall football, we decided... I decided to uh, to reach out to Carney Catholic and ask if there was any way that I could sort of kind of embed with the team. Um, obviously, as much as, as COVID would allow, and it's a two-hour drive for me, so I'm not going to be able to be there every day. But um, started started a week ago uh, with their first game, and, and I'll be at all, their home, all of their, their games this season, uh, both home and away. And uh, I'll be spending some time with, with the coaching staff and spending some time at practice with them and telling stories beyond just um, Heinrich Harburg because there are uh, just in the short time that I've been out there um, they've been super awesome and, and there are some some pretty interesting stories that I'm excited to tell over the course of uh, these next couple months. Derek I don't want you to spoil any of your own stories uh, but w- what are some of the the challenges that they've faced in a weird season like this here in 2020 and I mean how often does Carney Catholic have a, a recruit with the caliber of Heinrich Harburg on their team? What has that all done for this 2020 season? It's really funny because, you know, I was talking to Greg Smith about this because he's, he's kind of doing something similar with Lewis Central and Thomas Spadoni. He's trying to be in as many games as he can. Um, and it, like, I, I don't, I, I say this carefully because I don't want it to sound like the rest of the team is not good, but Heinrich looks looks the part. He looks like a legitimate Division One scholarship quarterback. He looks like a guy that is just kind of like drops down onto this team. Um, he looks he looks a, a little out of place sometimes when you see like their scout team quarterback running stuff in practice. Um, it's it is funny because and and two it's because of his stature. He's six five. He's tall. He towers over people. Um, he is a, a prototypical pocket passing quarterback that also just happens to have some athleticism. Um, so it, it is. It is kind of funny watching, just from that standpoint. But but, you know, I said this after their first game. There there are some talented players on the team. Um, they've got a guy at running back that also uh, doubles as a starting linebacker for them. That is a, a bruiser. 
Um, they've got a wide receiver that also doubles as a starting safety for them that's actually a really good basketball player. Um, they've got another wide receiver that, that starts at outside linebacker as well. Um, one of the most interesting things is, and, and people, you know, you'll see this with high school football and, and smaller um, college football teams all over the country is, you know, depth is, is an issue. And I talked to their coach this week about, you know, how, how things looked for them from a, a COVID standpoint after their first game, if there was anybody experiencing symptoms. They, they don't test. Uh, they don't require testing. It's, it's sort of if, if a kid pops up with symptoms, it's incumbent on the parents to do it. Just They just don't have the money to do that. Um, but, like, and he was like, well, I mean, we're C1 football, so depth is already an issue for us. They have six guys that start uh, both ways, and he told me that that number is a little bit low from where they usually are. Um, and Heinrich, too. Heinrich is a, a return guy for them on special teams, on, on kickoff return, and he also plays a little corner for them on defense. Um, so, you know, the, the most interesting thing this season, I think, is going to be just tracking depth and, and how teams adjust if, let's say, an injury pops up or you have something, a freak accident that happens in practice or something like that and somebody has to miss a couple games or, God forbid, you have a COVID test and, and you lose a couple guys. It, it, you know, that, I think that'll be the most challenging thing for some of these smaller teams for, for non-Class uh, A high school teams around the state. And then for, you know, some of the teams throughout the country college-wise that don't have the, the testing capability of, like, a Big Ten team. All right, Derek, before we get into Big Ten football, I got one more question on the game tonight. I just, I just need to report the opponent. Will, will Harburg throw for five touchdowns again? What's his game tonight going to look like? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, we were talking about the Hale Varsity staff. We, we have our weekly content planning meeting on Fridays, and we were, they, they were kind of asking me a little about it earlier. Um, and I, I kind of said, you know, the team that they played last week, Wood River Shelton, it was, it was co-op. Uh, there was like 37 guys on the roster uh, for, for Wood River. And so <clears throat> I don't really know how, how accurate um, a tool last week's game is in evaluating what this season is going to hold for Harburg and for Carney Catholic. He looked great, but he didn't really have to do too much against them last week. Um, and yet, he obviously didn't play the second half. So for him to put up numbers, he's going to have to play full games throughout the season. Um, if they, you know, if, if they blow Gothenburg out tonight and he doesn't have to play another second half, obviously the coaching staff will be happy with that. But, I mean, he, he certainly looks talented enough to be um, one of the leaders in the state in terms of just production. Um, he's got, I think he's got the weapons around him. Their offense is – they've got – the kind of playmakers and weapons that they need at those key positions to make a quarterback really look good. Um, so we'll see. I think tonight will be the first real test for him, and I'm, I'm interested to see how their offense um, does because they're also going up against a triple option team that's going to like to hold, you know, hold on to the ball. All right, Derek, we got to talk a little Big Ten football, right? Because there was the rumor that was out all week that the Big Ten was going to be voting, the, the Council of Chancellors and Presidents was going to be voting today to bring back football on October 10th. A lot of other reports indicating this wasn't true. Bill Moose said on Tuesday it wasn't true. Uh, Iowa AD Gary Barta said this morning it would take a miracle for football in October. But nonetheless, the, the rumors still persisted. So there was no vote today, right? Yeah. Um, Barter had, had Ronnie Green sitting next to him when he said there's not a vote happening because 
Ronnie Green is Nebraska's representative on the Council of uh, Presidents and Chancellors, so he would have been involved in that. And, and I asked Bill Moose earlier this week. Um, I, I was able to reach him through text message, and I asked him if, if there was any truth to the October 10th thing, and he said, no, that's just a rumor. Um, and then he said he went on Big Red Wrap-Up either Tuesday night or Wednesday night and said um, that a Thanksgiving start date is the earliest that they're discussing right now. Um, I don't. I don't think anybody knows what's going on. To be honest, I think. I think a lot of what happened this week was a number of people at different levels throughout an athletic department and a university that have an agenda that would like certain things. Obviously, like let's take Michigan for example. Jim Harbaugh wants to play football. Jim Harbaugh's players want to play football. Jim Harbaugh's assistant coaches want to play football. The athletic director at Michigan wants to appease Jim Harbaugh. So he wants to play football. The fan base at Michigan wants to play football. The president, though, is a cardiologist. He has a different view on things. He is going to to sway a different way. And, and you know, that's not to say that he's being politically motivated. He's just a cardiologist. He's not looking at it from a football standpoint. But, like, if you start getting into the anonymous sourcing thing, it's really easy for Jim Harbaugh to pick up a phone and call a reporter in Detroit and say, hey, we're talking about October 10th just because he wants to get the ball rolling. You know, like when, when Jeff Brom came out with his, his January proposal um, shortly after the Big Ten postponed the season, I kind of looked at that as like, a, you know, just, just in conjunction with Barry Alvarez talking about how they hadn't talked about what a spring season would look like. I kind of looked at Jeff Brom's thing as just like, hey, he just wants to like, conversation and push this thing forward. It kind of seems like the Big Ten has really been sitting on its hands for a while. It, the coaches don't want that to continue happening, and so they're they're dropping these. Hey, we're trying to play as early as possible, and then that that you know spawns conversations or things like that. I, I don't know if that's what happened here. That's just that's not reporting. That's just my guess, um, an educated guess. But I, I think I, I think an October 10th start would be difficult. Um, to say the least, I th- Thanksgiving is, is like Bill Moose said, is, is probably the earliest that they're looking at. And even then, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to end up doing. Yeah, one of the things that kind of makes that uh, that November start date difficult is what the Football Oversight Committee, Division One Football Oversight Committee, that is released today uh, about their recommendations for the leagues that have canceled. Uh, this hasn't been voted on yet, but they did release it. You, you get a chance to look at this report. Yeah, so if I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking about if if a team has, they could have fall ball in place of a spring period. So, like, they could have, like, their equivalent of a spring practice period in the fall if their conference is looking at a spring season, right? But then if if they do that, if, if a team, say, like Nebraska, the Big Ten settles on a January 1 start date or whatever date in January. Nebraska could have whatever the equivalent of spring practice in the fall would be. Mm-hmm. And then it has its spring season, but then it can't have, like, season or whatever it may be. It would just take the place. That's interesting. Um, the thing specifically for Nebraska, I saw somebody point this out, because the recruiting dead period was also extended. Um, we might reach a situation where Nebraska doesn't have a single person come to campus, a single recruit come to campus for a calendar year. That's bad. 
And it also, I, you know, I think one thing that's going to come up in conversations, if, if the Big Ten says, hey, we're going to start January 1st, you guys can have a, a fall ball or spring ball equivalent uh, from, like, October through November or whatever it may be. Does Nebraska have a, a spring game equivalent in the fall? Because that spring game for Nebraska, it, it produces revenue, but it's also a massive recruiting tool for them. That, to me, will be one of the most interesting things because if you do that and the recruiting dead period has still been extended, you can't use it as a recruiting tool. So you're either having one without reaping the benefits that you would normally get from one or you're not getting one at all. I don't know. There are, like, I talked to a, a JUCO coach um, when, when the NJCAA made their decision to postpone, and he said something that, that continues to stick with me and continues to ring true is every single decision that gets made, there are, like, 15 different things that branch off from that decision that people were unexpecting that now they have to go figure out how to solve. And, that, I mean, that's the world that we're living in now. Derek, good stuff there. Uh, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, you were awesome, but I can't take up too much of your time. You get out there and watch uh, watch Heinrich Harburg do his thing. I'm good. Appreciate you, man. Yep. Thanks, Derek. Good stuff there from Derek Peterson. You can find him on Twitter at DrPTHV. Coming up after the break, Katie Martin from Herdat to talk about the faux football Saturday coming up tomorrow down in the rail yard. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt today as Chris has the day off. One of the themes, though, we've been talking about ever since the Big Ten uh, canceled the season back early August uh, was what the hell am I going to be doing on my Saturdays now? Uh, excited to welcome in Katie Martin. Uh, Katie's going to talk about these faux football Saturdays uh, going down the rail yard tomorrow, September 5th. Uh, they're going to be playing the 1997 Nebraska-Missouri game, correct? Yes, absolutely. Hey, Elijah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. How are you doing today, Katie? Doing great. You know, we're excited for our, our faux game day. You know, as a, as a Lincolnite, I always look forward to September and October and November and little disappointed, at least for now. I mean, I'm hoping it could change. But we're excited to put an old game on and create a little bit of opportunity for people to come out and enjoy some fun and wear red. So, so give, give me a rundown of the day tomorrow. Uh, what's going to be going down at the rail yard? Sure. So we've got um, yoga by Sarah Rasby in the morning at 730, which is, runs parallel to the farmer's market. And then we'll have a DJ running roughly 11 a.m. just to come and enjoy some, some fun music. And then we're going to play the football game at 230. And from there, we'll just, you know, roll into having some live music and a DJ um, and just enjoying being outside while we can in this weather. Now, Katie, are are there precautions in place uh, for COVID-19, making sure that that doesn't uh, spread at this event? There are. So something that's really important to us is working really closely with with, uh, the Lancaster Lincoln um, Health Department and making sure that we are appropriately providing safety precautions um, and the DHM. So, you know, we'll have tables. Um, we ask people to stay seated. And we want to make sure that people are having fun and are, are enjoying a, a drink or food or anything that, that might be on a normal game day, you know, whether that's Yaya's Pizza or 
going to Laszlo's, you know, whatever your game day opportunity is, and then come down and watch a little football and have some fun. Now, Katie, I, I want to ask a little bit about this game, 97, Missouri, Nebraska. I actually wasn't even alive for this game. I've, I've caught in replays <laughs> of it on TV before, though. Um, but why this game? You know, so many people love this game because of Scott Frost, because of Matt Davison. Um, everybody loves this game. So this is just the one that we would start. We started out with. Um, what I would love for people to do is to watch our Instagram and our Facebook as we decide what games we are going to play for the next few Saturdays. We're going to throw in a little bit of retro with a little bit of um, new age, if you will, and we will probably run back-to-back football games partnering with the best of the grid. So this is an event that is going to be continuing on throughout this football season? It is an event that's going to continue on throughout this football season. I mean, we're hopeful that we have football and that we don't have to, you know, play old games. But in the meantime, we want to offer an opportunity for people to come out and enjoy um, we'll, we will continue to plan around ACC, SEC, and Big Ten schedules, and then we'll go from there. Uh, it looks like it should be good weather tomorrow. Uh, so this is going to be a, a full-day event down in the rail yard, correct? It is. It's a full day of fun. Um, wear red, kid-friendly, um, and come and enjoy the game. Uh, Katie, before I let you go, uh, i, I got to ask you, what are you going to be doing with your falls now that there isn't any Husker football? Oh, shoot. You know, um, I'll probably golf until it snows. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. Golf until it snows. I'm not a golfer. I've been sticking to the fantasy football myself. Um, But if you are looking for something to do on your Saturdays, it seems like the rail yard is the place to go. Missouri versus Nebraska, 1997. One more time, what time does that game start at tomorrow, Katie? Game time is 2.30. 2.30, and how long is it like a, the full broadcast or commercials in there? Is it going to be a, a full three hours? What, what's this looking like? It's, it's a full broadcast, so I'd say right around 90 minutes. 90 minutes of fun down in the rail yard to watch some Husker football. Katie, appreciate the time. Have a nice uh, Friday Thanks evening, and, and good luck with the, uh, the Husker football tomorrow. Perfect. Have a great weekend. You as well. That was Katie Martin from Herdat discussing uh, the Saturday uh, Husker football event that's going to be down in the railyard. Looking forward to that one. Could be fun. Uh, I got to go check it out. I've, I've been looking for. Uh, <laughs> I've been complaining. I don't know what to do with my Saturdays uh, besides homework. So going down, checking out Husker football in the railyard. I personally am looking forward to those uh, those those classic games that I don't always get the chance to watch. You, you see them in, in YouTube in terrible quality. Uh, you know, 240p, 360p, trying to figure out which pixel the football's in. So going to go down and, and, and check out Husker football down in the railroad. Should be a fun one. Get some drinks, get some food. Enjoy the company of Husker football fans around you. Want to finish up this segment here talking back to a little bit more fantasy football. Uh, ran out of time with Derek. Derek's talking uh, with all that good stuff about the Big Ten and the Football Oversight Committee. But I'm right back in this fantasy football wave. Because when I'm not down in the railroad watching Husker football on the big screen with friends... Husker fans, getting drinks, enjoying the weather. I'm going to be studying for my fantasy football draft this weekend. That's what I'm up to. And I I just have so many conflicting thoughts. Remember, you can call the show. Give me your thoughts. 402-466-3776-1-800-825-5865. Because even in this past week, a lot of movement. Leonard Fournette going to the Bucks. I thought Leonard Fournette was going to be a great value pick with the Jaguars because he was about all they had on offense, uh, not to slight Gardner Minshew or, uh, or DJ Chark one bit, but Leonard Fournette was the consistent weapon on that offense. He kind of knew what you were going to get. 
he, he was probably going to give you at least a thousand yards rushing. Um, so I, I was looking forward to having him as a solid backup running back, keep him on my bench and play him for good matchups. But now down in uh, in Tampa, he, he's not the first string back anymore. Going to be interesting to see what his touches are like in the first week. That now becomes a, a dangerous pick uh, if you take him too high. Um, so that's just, ugh. I don't know. That that's that's a debate to me because everything's happening so quickly, and then you also have this season. You got COVID nineteen. How is that going to impact the season? Uh, my league, I know, is going to have three injury reserve spots reserved for COVID nineteen, where I can bring players back in the season should they get COVID and, and come back. But that is still a a wasted spot in a draft for a couple weeks. So I don't know. But the the question I keep on coming back to is quarterback. Because it seems like if a guy in your league last year had Lamar Jackson, he ended up winning the league. Two years ago, you had a guy, if you had Patrick Mahomes on your team, you probably won your league. That's just how it went. Those two quarterbacks were able to control the league, and if you had them on your team, you were an instant title favorite, essentially, because of the amount of production that those guys put up. So the question for me is, which of those guys do you get I mean Lamar Jackson didn't go until I think the third or fourth round in my draft last year he was a good value pick is that next guy Drew Locke I talked about that in the, in the first segment but it could also be Kyler Murray I mean he's another sophomore breakout candidate he's got a great pass catching option now in DeAndre Hopkins why the Texans ever let DeAndre Hopkins go I don't know but that's the years that's the Arizona Cardinals benefit they now have Kyler Murray they have a good running back tandem, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds has very, very high upside for that Cardinals team and could be getting the the production come the end of the season. I don't think Kenyon Drake's a long-term viable option there. But I don't know. You could be betting on the Cardinals this season, as weird as that sounds. Cardinals so used to being bad, and Kyler Murray didn't even look great last year, but a better-looking defense. Kyler Murray with options this year. Arizona Cardinals, maybe Kyler Murray's the guy to pick at the end of the first round. I don't know. I, that's that's the question I keep coming back to today, has been where am I going to go at quarterback? Do I go with the, the old guys you know you're going to get? Do I reach a little bit and get one of these young guys who could win the league? Do I go with Kirk Cousins, who, I mean, he's got balls right now. He'll go play in COVID. He said that himself earlier in the week. Do I go take Kirk Cousins? I like his football guy mentality. I don't know. Wrapping up an hour one, coming up after this, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down hour one here on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris has the day off, hopefully back Monday. It's Elijah Herbal filling in. I'll be back tomorrow morning, weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio here locally on ESPN Lincoln. It's also in podcast form wherever you get the Hale Varsity Radio podcast. It's going to be Cranach, me, and Damon Barr coming in in the morning. Should be a fun Saturday morning edition as we get it rolling uh, without Chris. Before we wrap up the hour, just a quick reminder that if you're looking to make a move in 2019, you got to give, or in 2020, you got to give the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty a call today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, and they will help make your next move a smooth one. 
For a limited time only, mention Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty will provide you with up to $1,000 upon the closing of your next home purchase. And if you're uh, looking to sell agricultural land, well, they do that too. They have an auctioneer and can handle anything from live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. They've sand, sold land in Lancaster, Odo, and Seward counties this year, as well as other counties uh, around this Lancaster and Lincoln area, so they can handle a large radius. They have an experienced auctioneer, and they will get it done for you. Call Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider for more details. They're located at 1120 K Street. Just remember, it pays to work with West Blue Realty. Before your next move, you got to ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? Wrapping up this first segment here, we got some fun matchups in the NBA and NHL postseason today. Going to get into those just a little bit. My Colorado Avalanche currently playing at the moment. They're up 3-2 on the Dallas Stars going into the third period. It's a big game seven there. A lot of game seven hockey tonight. Um, which is the best hockey in all of hockey, is Game 7 hockey, am I right? Um, I mean, you, you wait the playoffs for Game 7 hockey. It's uh, just action-packed, emotional, win or go home. The, the, everyone wants to win. It's, uh, it, it's what you, you don't see sometimes in pro sports. It's that drive. And, and these guys are going to leave it all out there on the ice, hoping the best for my avalanche tonight. also have the Canucks in Golden Knights in Game 7. That's tonight at 8. And then uh, tomorrow you also have the Islanders and Flyers. But my Avs currently up 3-2 on the Stars. <sighs> I'm nervous. Stars are a good team. Um, hoping my avalanche can pull it out. Uh, just the same way that my Nuggets pulled out. They were down 3-1 to the Jazz earlier in this week. Uh, and they came back to win the series uh, in Game 7. Avs were also down 3-1 to the Stars. Looking to come back and win it in 7. Speaking of the NBA, though, a couple games on tonight. We got Game 3 between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler has been balling out for the Miami Heat, taking them to the promised land. They're up 2-0 on the Bucks. Uh, Giannis, presumptive MVP candidate, has not been doing much in this series. Limited minutes. Hasn't been playing up to that, that MVP caliber, you think. And a lot of people are in this week saying, maybe Giannis isn't the MVP we thought he was. He's got a chance to reverse that narrative. Tip off here about half an hour from now. Also have Rockets, Lakers. Lakers are that presumptive favorite in the West coming in at the one seed. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, how are you going to stop them? Rockets are going to give it their best, uh, but that small ball lineup, not sure how that's going to work for them against Anthony Davis. Wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Davis goes for 40 tonight. It's as simple as that. Who's going to guard Anthony? P.J. Tucker? Is P.J. Tucker going to guard Anthony Davis? I don't think so. Who's going to guard LeBron James? James Harden? Is James Harden going <laughs> to guard LeBron James? It's, it's going to be a shootout, that one. It's not going to be a defensive battle, that's for sure. A lot of NBA storylines, NHL storylines. Before we go, just got to say, go Avs. Good luck in the third period. Let's go get that win. Hour two coming up. Bill Dolman after the break. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hour 2, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris today. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, at Herbal Essences. 
It's Elijah Herbal on Twitter. You should find me. You can also reach out to me on Twitter or call the show 402-466-3776 or 1-800-825-5865. As we roll into our tomb, excited to welcome in the pride of Fairbury himself, Bill Dolman. Bill, it's a bit of high school rivalry week here in Nebraska. We got Lincoln Southeast, Lincoln Southwest. We got Millard North, Millard West. We got Bellevue East, Bellevue West. A lot of rivalry games, but I guess I don't know. My, my, my knowledge of the Fairbury Jeffs isn't what it used to be. Does Fairbury have any big rivals? Well, back in the day, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the schools that are suburbs of the greater Fairbury metropolitan area, you know, they always want a piece <laughs> of you, you know. What when schools you're the those big, when you're the big dog in the neighborhood, you know, everybody's, you know, yipping at you, you know, like Beatrice. Uh, um, that was always a bit of a rivalry. Crete, um, trying to think, uh, you know, Hebron was a wannabe uh, Class C school uh, back back when I was uh, around, and, and we were ruling Class B. Pious, you know, Pious always, you know, thought that they could get a piece of us, but, you know, I got to, rem- you know, remind Thunderbolt folks that, my senior year at Fairbury, you know, just an absolute uh, ass kicking down in Fairbury uh, in basketball. So, you know, you, you just kind of get used to it week after week. It's you know, it's kind of like the Huskers or you know the, the Dallas Cowboys, the Packers, Patriots. No. You just get used to it. Bill, did you play football or were you just a basketball guy? Both, both. Uh, I, I lettered on the uh, PAT teams at uh, Fairbury High, <laughs> um, which was tough to do because we didn't score that often. Um, and then uh, basketball. I was fortunate to be on the the state runner-up team back in 1983 when, unfortunately, we lost to Mount Michael in the uh, the championship game. But everybody knows that we get that taken away from us. Um, but uh, nevertheless, yeah, hoops. Bill, hoops we, was the big deal. Bill, we can't spend too much time on high school football. Got into the got to get into the important stuff. Um, like what I saw on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, maybe you saw it too. It was the guy in front of the Lincoln City Council. Uh, discussing boneless wings. Did you get a chance to see this? <laughs> I did see it. I did. It made uh, it made national news, and uh, you know, to a certain extent, you're like, jeez. Oh, but on the other hand, it was actually kind of refreshing to see something completely different, completely out of the norm. And I, I, I don't know what his angle was, um, but doggone it, for at least two and a half minutes, two minutes and thirty four seconds, or whatever that clip is. You know, we got to at least laugh about something other than the rest of the mess going on in the country. Bill, I'm not sure I was laughing. I think this is a, a serious issue we got to address. Um, what, what's your take on on boneless wings? Are they wings? Well, I, I think it depends on where you go. You know, I think certainly some places they probably you know think that they are definitely wings and that they should be boned or deboned or whatever the case might be. But, um. I suppose if you go to the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, where Buffalo Wings originated, that, that would probably be the source to go to for the final verdict on the matter. I'll have to reach out. I'll have to, I'll have to send an email and, and see what they, what they let me know. That, that would be interesting. I would, find, I, would, I would get a hold of the Anchor Bar and say, okay, here you go. You're the ones. You know, what's your response to this uh, you know, huge controversy in Lincoln? Well, well Bill, I'm just going to let you know right now my take – is boneless wings are not wings. Those are glorified chicken nuggets. I, I'm I'm right with Ander, you know. Um, but 
I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm not going to fight you on it. You know, to each his own. But I think uh, um, I just, I'm just glad that somebody is bringing it to the forefront of society. I think it's the kind of argument that we need in the country right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the kind of open communication this country needs. But yeah. <laughs> Bill, I, I, being serious now, uh, getting into some important stuff, and that's Big Ten football. Um, did you see the NCAA Division One Football Oversight Committee uh, released pretty much a report today listing recommendations? Uh, for this spring football season, uh, if that is what it ends up being. Uh, did you get a chance to see that? Uh, yeah, I, you know, th- this is just this is re- really just getting so tiresome and more voices. You know, the, the, now this is the West Virginia Athletic Director with the Football Oversight Committee, and you've got the NCA, which has really no jurisdiction other than eligibility uh, and a really thick rule book uh, over, you know, the, the Power Five conferences. I, I just think this is getting out of hand, and when you continue to hear more voices and uh, get into the mix, it just gets so much more confusing. And it's almost like they just want to wear people down so much and run out the clock to get to next October uh, or next September, and, and the new the 2021 football season rolls around, and then 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 these Poindexters are just going to go, you know, think that everything is going to be water under the bridge, and now we move forward without realizing the the public relations damage that has been done to some really fine major institutions. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Husker true and true, and my, my blood is scarlet. But one of the few schools that actually looks good in this whole scenario is Nebraska. Um, they're standing up for what they believe in. They're flexing the muscle that they have. But then you, you know, like Penn State, you have the doctor come out what last last weekend, and then this, you know, make story for forty eight hours about the the percentage of athletes with the myocarditis, and now he's had to backtrack and say, well, that was from an old study and a projection. Well, isn't the projections of millions of people dying from this part of the problem for this whole thing? Um, and so that's been debunked, and all of a sudden you just want to go up Penn State. You know what? Maybe you just need to sit this one out. Um, Ohio State and Nebraska can, can continue to carry the water for what's left of the pride of the Big Ten Conference. Because right now, if you ask me, the Big Ten has slipped behind the Pac-12 in stature. At least Larry Scott's coming out and saying, we're, we're willing to take a look at this. And, and for the past decade, the Pac-12 has just been hanging onto the coattails of the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, right now, at least they are willing to, to take a look at things again. Now they're not promising to make any changes, but you know they've they've stepped up with this uh, Quadell Corporation, you know, to get the uh, the daily testing and the rapid testing, and this may be have an impact on them making a you know, new decision. I think that the the fact that the Pac-12 is willing to swallow its pride just a little bit and revisit shows that it has more strength right now than the Big Ten, and it's just stunning to me how basically, and I know that there are a lot more people involved in this than just the 14 school presidents and the three inst- and the 11 that voted to not play, but right now it looks like you've got 11 people in a conference room wearing bow ties that may have never played athletics before, and they're the ones who are making a decision thinking that just everything's going to go away and it'll be, and it'll be fine. Uh, later on, and it's not going to be. 
Bill, you mentioned the Pac-12, and I, I want to ask you about what Larry Scott said yesterday. And you kind of got into the the rapid testing, and they're looking at uh at maybe coming back sooner, reconsidering their decision. But he also said that he'd be interested in coordinating with the Big Ten so they can get their restart going together at the same time, and it opens up some some possibilities for some postseason play, maybe even a Rose Bowl. What what do you make of that? No, get, just get it, then do it. You know, there's all this talk for the last two days that the Big Ten presidents are going to, you know, have some type of revote today. And then all of a sudden you get to today and say, like, well, no, that wasn't going to happen. Well, where, where was anybody for the last two days to get out in front and say, look, this meeting in the Big Ten is not going to happen? You know, you had Bill Moose having to reply on radio that uh, there's no schedule, Ted Carter and all that. But it's all of these little uh, uh, side conversations or, you know, these, um, these places like Nebraska saying well, there's no scheduled meeting. The Big Ten needs to get out in front of every story that there is right now. And if there's going to be some type of an agreement with the Pac-12, then get out there and say it. Say yes or say no, but not, eh, well, we're thinking about maybe, well, we heard there's a vote. That's not going to happen. We might have a second Rose Bowl, but we're waiting. That's just so much hemming and hawing that just like I said, it's like they're trying to run out the clock to get through this whole thing, get past the election, and then, you know, start up in 2021 and say, well, you know, everything's okay now. And, and I just I just think that they don't understand the damage that they are doing by not getting out in front and being definitive, and that's the problem. Bill, are you saying more that – a spring season, if it is played the six, eight games, whatever, isn't really a real season. They're kind of just looking forward no, to the actual no, season. Or, no, or are you saying point, there's not going to be season at all? No, I, 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 at this point, I think everything just feels like exhibition to me. You know, I've been trying to get into the pro stuff a little bit here. And i got to be honest with you, I, I know people have been, you know, complimentary of the, uh, of the NBA and the bubble. Well, you know, part of that is because ESPN has an NBA contract. So they're going to sing the praises of whatever the NBA does. So this thing is great. I've been getting into the hockey a lot more than I have been in the NBA. And I got to tell you, I think the hockey thing has been brilliant. The way they've done it, the shows that they put on, uh, I think it's better than what they've done with the NBA bubble, but you don't hear that because ESPN has a much louder megaphone. Um, so I, I think the NHL playoffs have a certain feel to them. Maybe the NBA does, but all this talk about football seasons and even the NFL, they're going to start. Everything seems so exi- like an exhibition. And to think that you're going to have a spring season with eight games, that just seems like it's the XFL or the AAF or whatever that was, you know, that other spring league that, that, that died. Why eight games? What is, what is that? Why, why not seven? Why not six? Why not nine? Why not ten? And then you've got them limiting the number of hours. You know, you get 12 hours with one hour a day uh, in helmets. Well, why not two hours a day in pads? What's the difference? You are with the same group of people. You're doing the same things. And, I, and I, I really believe that if you were to give these kids, I shouldn't say kids, these young men, and I'm going to say young women, because I, I said this on Monday, I really wish Nebraska volleyball was involved in this lawsuit just to bring, some, you know, bring the women's perspective into this whole thing. But if you were to say, we're going to do this September 26th or October 10th, and we really need you to buy in, I gotta believe, especially at the University of Nebraska, that has shown so much support for their athletes and trying to get them on the field to play the game that they want to play. That I would bet that you'd get a, a lot of buy-in from those athletes who would be on their best behavior, as tough as that might be for a 17 to 22 year old. 
but I really think that you would get the kind of buy-in that would make things even safer now than they were, you know, when they first started practice back in August. Bill, you mentioned but everything right now just seems like an exhibition to me. You know, I know eight, eight games. What is that? We're gonna have a season, and you've got Clemson gonna play thirteen games probably. That just that doesn't make any sense to me. Bill, you mentioned the, the hub cities for the NHL and the NBA, and I've been closely following those two. Uh, I mean, I'm a Denver sports fan, so I feel like you probably know a little Denver sports. Nuggets come back from 3-1. Avs playing in Game 7 right now. Um, but do you think that that's what's going to be necessary for college football if it does come back in the winter, the, the idea of a, a hub city playing in a dome? I, I think that's probably where they would end up going and then that you'd have – you know, and maybe they try to play, uh, you know, I want a couple games, three games a day. I don't know. I mean, I, I've actually done college football games where there have been double headers in, in a dome before just because it limited travel uh, for teams with smaller budgets in Indianapolis. Um, so, I, yeah, maybe I could see that. Or maybe, you know, you have some games that are at home facilities where they say, look, you know, you've got Nebraska with the 90,000 capacity. We're going to limit you to 25%. Okay. I'll guarantee you, whatever ticket is available will be sold, and that salad string is going to continue. However many tickets Nebraska is going to be allowed to sell, whenever they're allowed to play, will all be sold out. And if they have to have these hub city games, and you've got everybody charter, you know, flies charter anyway, so you maybe you'll limit the, you know, the, the number of athletes even further from, you know, 60. I don't know. But, you know, that might make a little sense, too. Uh, that you've got everybody confined in their travel parties and you limit the number of people that are able to be involved. Bill Dolman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Bill, about two minutes left. Uh, so I know this, this talk about the Big Ten can get a little tiresome. Uh, so, so i got to ask you, my fantasy football draft is Sunday. And I just want to know, are you, are you in a fantasy football league yourself? Uh, I, I've not been able to be in a fantasy uh, football league because I'm still emotionally drained from the year in which, um, and devastated, I should say, not drained. The year that uh, Tom Brady and Randy Moss like averaged uh, 45 points apiece uh, for the Patriots about 10 years ago, and I had both those guys on my team. And then the final week of the regular season was, of course, the final game of our uh, of our league, and the Patriots played the Dolphins and basically took the day off. And I think there was also a, a snowstorm in, um, in, in Foxborough. And instead of scoring like 45 points apiece, I think the Patriots won like uh, 17 to 13. Brady had 100 and some yards. Rob Moss had like two catches. And I end up on the outside of a fairly hefty uh, four-plus figure uh, payday. So I've not been able to get myself emotionally wrapped around getting into a fantasy football since then. Wow. See, that's where I got to come in with my take. And that's my league. We play our championship in week 16 instead of week 17 because so many teams are resting those starters in week 17. Uh, you put yeah, in week 16, it makes more sense. That's a, it's a, it's a killer. It was a dev- And then there's that story a couple of years back where, you know, they had those, those big, big money, like million dollar paydays. And, you know, some stockbroker had basically devoted his entire life for the fall and uh, I think the last game of the year, he had a bunch of guys on the, the Cincinnati Bengals or something like that, or guys that were playing in Cincinnati. And there was a major flood that went through uh, the Cincinnati area. And instead of you know getting a million bucks, 
he ends up losing to some plumber who, you know, you know, pencil in a couple of guys who ended up having the games of their lives. And so I, I just can't get quite as emotionally invested. Now, when I say money in the pot, I get, you know, of course, I mean for entertainment purposes only because I would never do anything untoward like that. <laughs> Bill, appreciate the time. Have a nice weekend. All right. All right, uh, go Big Red. Uh, good to talk to you, and I'm glad you finally got rid of Schmidt. That's a nice job. He he deserves his suspension this time. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rolling three, Friday, Elijah Herbal here, filling in for Chris as he has the day off. Again, said it before, say it again, it's a big weekend for high school football here in Nebraska. Some teams playing their third game of the season, some on their second, some even on their first, uh, but it is rivalry week, and all that goes out the window for rivalry week. Uh, That's what I'm going to be referring to it as, uh, because Southeast Southwest is in town here tonight. A couple other good games across the state, as you got Bellevue East, Bellevue West, Millard North, Millard West. Uh, you got Kearney going into Omaha, taking on Omaha Westside. Omaha Westside is a team that was in the state championship last year, finished uh, as a runner-up, and they are looking to make a state title push this year at a pretty emphatic win uh, last week as they look to make a push for the state championship. Carney on the other hand, uh, losing to Lincoln Southeast last week in a heartbreaker. They are going to go try to turn it around against one of the top teams in the state tonight. That should be a good one. But the game we're focused on here on ESPN Lincoln here for the local listeners is Lincoln Southeast versus Lincoln Southwest. Before Chris took the day off, he did leave me with a few interviews, one from Lincoln Southeast coach Ryan Gatul and another one from Lincoln Southwest coach Andrew Sherman. Both of those are very good stuff. Uh, Thanks to Chris for leaving those behind. Without further ado, let's get into that interview with Lincoln Southeast coach Ryan Gatula. We're going to be playing that interview with Andrew Sherman here at 540. You're not going to to miss that either, but here's Chris with Ryan Gatula. Back with it, and we'll talk some more high school football. We say hi to the head coach for Lincoln Southeast, Ryan Gatula. Coach, thanks for a a few minutes. Let's get back into last week as you started the season. A tough road win at Kearney, 14-10. to 10. What'd you like about your guys gutting it out? Well, I really liked how they competed. Um, certainly there's a lot of things that we feel like we can work on and get better at, that's for sure. But I, I really liked how they competed. I thought we had some great leadership from some seniors on our team that uh, stepped up and made some pretty big plays in situations where we had to have them. And so very pleased with that aspect of it. Take us through some of your senior leaders that folks will be listening for and watching this season. Who are some of the guys you're leaning on to, to be uh, those player coaches on the field? Yeah, well, uh, there's a number of them. So I hope to don't leave anybody out. But, you know, I thought last week guys like McGinnis Schneider on offense, uh, Playing quarterback really uh, is a guy that that makes plays when when we have to have him. Tavion Thompson was another guy that you know made plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, Derek Branch, uh, those are you know just a few names. Barrett France, uh, a guy that you know doesn't have a lot of stats, but is always uh, uh, making plays whether it's on defense, playing defensive end, or blocking people. And uh, you know I think those are some guys that really stepped up week one and and. Probably a number of them I missed as well. 
Ryan Gatula is with us, head coach Lincoln Southeast. Kickoff 8 o'clock on ESPN Lincoln, ESPNLincoln.com. Coach, uh, tell me uh, how this offseason was and the summer session was for you and and the kids navigating COVID and this pandemic. Yeah, certainly it was different. Uh, you know, I thought our kids did an excellent job of, of handling uh, the new things that were put in place, and and for good reason. They did an excellent job with that. And really, I thought, you know, our strength coach, uh, our administration – uh, did an outstanding job of getting things set up really well so that we did have, uh, you know, some workouts uh, throughout the off season and some clinics as we got into later July. And so, uh, number one, I thought it was really set up well um, by them, and I thought our kids handled that process uh, well also. What uh, what have you seen from – you spoke a little bit about McGinnis Schneider, and I know he's been on your, your squad, and he has seen time behind center – He's continued to, to work and, and win that starting job. And uh, what what impresses you about him? You mentioned the leadership, but let's get into some of the skill set, some of the smarts, and how he makes the offense go. Yeah, well, certainly McGinnis understands our offense really well. You know, he's been working, uh, getting varsity reps at quarterback since his sophomore year, and so he has a great understanding of what we want to do. Uh, I think he brings a lot of things to the table. Uh, certainly he's a great athlete, uh, a threat to run the ball, um, understands passing game concepts as far as reading uh, coverages. And so uh, he brings a lot to the table. And like I said, he's just a great competitor. He's a guy that's been out there, uh, whether it's on the varsity basketball court or varsity football field, you know, playing a lot of defensive back for us the last two years. And so uh, he gets it from a competition standpoint and, and leadership. And the guys really, uh, really believe in him. Let's get into your lines of scrimmage. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the offensive line, and uh, we'll flip it around. Also, the defensive line. How do you feel about both those units? Yeah, well, we really like uh, you know what what we got done the first week, uh, playing a great team in Kearney and, and getting a win on the road. You know, with our offensive line, we got a lot of new faces. We had uh, five seniors uh, playing there last year. Uh, uh, all very good players, and so with our offensive line, it's a, uh, a lot of new guys that are getting their opportunity to step in and show what they can do at the varsity level. And so uh, I think, you know, as, as we progress here week to week, they're just going to get better because uh, they're going to gain that experience of playing together. Uh, defensive line, I thought really our defense played outstanding last week. Uh, you know, a couple plays we gave up in the first quarter, but then otherwise uh, – uh, we're able to really uh, play excellent defense the rest of the way and and make some huge plays there in the fourth quarter to uh, preserve the win. And so uh, our D-line played well. We got some experienced people there. Maddox Burton, he's another senior that I didn't mention earlier. That's, you know, he, he makes a lot of plays for us on the D-line. And, uh, and so uh, I thought they played excellent. Coach, uh, stylistically, what, what do you – uh, kind of preach defensively. Are you guys are you kind of a react defense? Do you have athleticism? Are you aggressive? I mean, what's uh, what's your identity? Well, we want to get great athletes on the field um, on defense. And, uh, you know, I think uh, week one, um, we really had guys that, that stepped up and made plays when they had to. We have a, a number of guys that are at new positions defensively this year. They maybe had some experience playing last year, but they're playing a little different position this year. 
And so I thought they really adjusted well, especially as we got past the first quarter last week. Um, and we just want to be sound. We want to communicate really well and make sure that we're lined up properly and then just allow our kids to play fast and make plays. And, and like I said, I thought uh, our defense uh, played excellent last week. couple minutes left here. Ryan Gatula is with us, head coach Lincoln Southeast, Southeast, Southwest, kickoff 8 o'clock on ESPN Lincoln. Coach, uh, let's uh, dive into Max Butenbach, uh, what he can do for you. I know he's uh, kind of a, a backup defensively that, that we'll see some snaps, but what's, uh, what's Max bring to the party uh, running the football for you? Well, he's a good young athlete, and he played a lot of defense for us week one. Uh, you know, he was on the field uh, for us at the end of the game uh, in certain sets uh, defensively, and he's going to carry the ball for us as well, and he's going to play special teams. So Max is a really versatile uh, young player for us, and, uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys that uh, as we progress here week to week, he's just going to continue to get better as he gets more experience at the varsity level. Um, really was pretty dominant at the freshman level last year, uh, then came up and, and, and played with the varsity at the end of the year, and, and certainly he's ready for that uh, this year, and he's going to get better as we go every week here. Coach, uh, thoughts on Southwest? Uh, they had a tough one on the road at Gretna. Uh, their defense uh, had some pretty tough moments uh, in a good way, uh, a lot of tackles for loss. Uh, what sticks out on film about the Silverhawks? Yeah, well, they, they're they're well coached, and uh, they they are uh, a team that defensively, you know, you're going to see the same things year in and year out as far as they fly around and get to the ball really well and hustle. And so, like you said, they they were able to make some big plays defensively, and and we know that we have to play better uh, going from week one to week two. Uh, like I said, we were happy getting a win on the road, but we're going to have to play a better football game uh, against Southwest. Uh, they're always um, like I said, uh, playing hard and, and uh, well coached. And so uh, we got to improve upon those things we did last week to continue to have success. Have you been pretty pleased with practice this week? It's been good. It's been good. Uh, you know, I think uh, uh, our seniors, as I said earlier, uh, have given us really good leadership and, and kept this group focused. And, and so we have some good senior leadership and we also have you know, three or four really young guys and sophomores that had to play a lot of snaps for us last week. And so uh, those seniors do a great job of bringing those guys along and making sure they understand uh, what it takes day in and day out to be successful at this level. Ryan Gatula, head coach of Southeast. Coach, we'll see you a little bit later. Thanks for a few minutes today. No problem. Thanks for having me. There he was, Lincoln Southeast head coach Ryan Gatula. We got Lincoln Southwest head coach Andrew Sherman coming up after the break. Before we get there, just a reminder from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office, one out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working around the clock to stop it with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols. As a driver, make the correct choice of a non-alcoholic drink or have a pre-selected designated driver. Be smart and start the conversation Who's Driving Home, a message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Again, big Friday night in Nebraska for high school football. No Husker football this fall. People are thinking maybe October 10th. It's not going to be October 10th. People are thinking Thanksgiving. Okay, maybe Thanksgiving. That's still months and months away. Uh, months, two and a half months. Two and a half months. Okay, that was bad math by me. Apologies. Two and a half months until November. Black Friday. 
But at the moment, we have high school football in Nebraska, and it's a good one tonight. Lincoln Southeast, Lincoln Southwest. I'm going to make the argument right now. I know I'm a Lincoln Southeast alumni, proud alumni, uh, but that's one of the best rivalries in the city, if not the state. There is no extra motivation needed for either of these teams going into Southeast Southwest week. Southeast knows all the players from Southwest. Southwest knows all the players from East. The student section, which isn't in attendance tonight, if it was there, you, you knew. You knew which fans were yelling at you. you. You knew them by name. They'd make signs for you. It's a good game. It's a fun matchup. It's tonight on ESPN Lincoln. Uh, pre-game coverage begins at 7.50 with kickoff at 8. Again, coming up after the break, talking with Lincoln at Southwest head coach Andrew Sherman as he breaks down his team heading into the matchup against the Lincoln Southeast Knights. And uh, it's, it's a big matchup for the city. Southeast, Southwest traditionally uh, are two teams that are chasing that city crown. Uh, Lincoln East looks like they could have a good shot at it again this year after an impressive performance last night uh, against Papio South. But for the past few years, it's been Lincoln Southeast, Lincoln Southwest, East, Lincoln High did a couple years ago as well, but but Lincoln Southeast and Lincoln Southwest are two powerhouses in the capital city. They're going at it tonight. Up next, again, Andrew Sherman, head coach of Lincoln Southwest. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on AFR City Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Talk some high school football and uh, game of the week is Southwest and Lincoln Southeast on ESPN. Kicking off at 8, we say hi to the head coach for the Silverhawks, Andrew Sherman. Coach, thanks for a few minutes. How has the week been as you, as you get ready for a, for a rivalry game? Uh, take us through the, the, the week of practice. How have the kids responded after after last week? It's been a really good week. You know, we've uh, um, you know had to kind of take a little gut check and look ourselves in the mirror a little bit but uh, uh you know our guys are, are are eager to get out there and prove that they're a better team than uh you know what showed up last friday night and uh you know the beautiful weather the nice uh you know 10 to 15 degrees cooler has been uh you know just a, a an extra blessing i guess on top of uh you know, a season that is uh, continuing. It is a blessing to be able to play football and uh, excited to see it. And how did you navigate such a, a wacky, weird training camp with uh, obviously COVID concerns and health and safety being paramount from you and your staff? And that's how you you are. You, you care about your kids. What were you able to, to do to get them ready and also just keep their, their mind at ease with things and, and yourself? I mean, you're, you're, you and your coaches as well in kind of unprecedented times absolutely well i think in the back of everybody's mind there was that uh, wonder and uh you know the question as to whether we were going to play but uh you know we as coaches we made sure that every uh you know comment that we made and anything uh you know any any interaction with our with our guys we just made sure that they knew uh that we 100 percent felt like we were going to have a season and that we had to prepare ourselves every day like we were going to play Gretna week one and Southeast week two and, and, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I think that's been, been a, a big help. And, uh, you know, I think the fact that the kids were, you know, kind of locked away, so to speak, in their houses and, and lots of them weren't able to do very much uh, has really helped us as far as focus goes and, uh, you know, practice intensity and, you know, really just the – the, the wanting to be at practice every day, our attendance is better than it's been in, you know, a long, long time. And, you know, I think it's just the fact that the kids have been, you know, a little, got a little bit of cabin, fe- cabin fever. And, um, you know, it's been, it, you know, it was a crazy summer, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think everything works out and, 
and uh, so far it has. Andrew Sherman's with us, head coach, Lincoln Southwest. They hook up with Southeast on Friday. Seacrest, 8 o'clock under the lights. Tell us a little bit about, let the listeners know about the 2020 Silverhawks. Who are some of the kids that you're expecting heavy leadership from? And let's start with your lines of scrimmage, uh, experience-wise, depth-wise. Uh, how, how loaded are you up front? Well, I'll tell you, we actually start a ton of uh, underclassmen. Um, you know, we got uh, we are in our top uh, six linemen, uh, offensive linemen. That is, we have four juniors, uh, and uh, three of those guys start. Our first guy that rotates in is also a junior. Um, we've got uh, two tight ends that play a ton, and one of those is a junior. Um, you know, our uh, center Nick Delgado is a returning starter for us. Uh, he uh, um, he's our guy that uh, really kind of makes our checks and our calls. Uh, tremendous leader for us uh, in those front five guys. And then, uh, you know, our tight end, I feel like he's probably as good as anybody in the state, uh, just athletically and size-wise and physically. Uh, Nolan Milius, you know, he's a guy that's going to have uh, all sorts of opportunities to play uh, in college. Uh, you know, he uh, earned a whole bunch of – we got uh, a sticker system. Uh, we call talons that uh, when kids do uh, exceptional things in the game, uh, they earn stickers. And here are nine of them last week, which, uh, you know, is a record for us. And, uh, you know, and then we uh, were a little bit young in the uh, skill position spots. We started a sophomore at quarterback, uh, Colin Fritton, who, uh, you know, he uh, he's going to be a really good one for us. And uh, I'll bet he's a heck of a lot better week two than he was week one. And it's going to take a little bit of a learning curve, but, uh, you know, he's, he's willing to put in the work and is shown to put in the work. And then, uh, you know, we got a running back that was all city last year, Tilo Arciaga. Uh, you know, he's a big physical guy and, um, you know, he probably played a little bit too much defense last year, or I'm sorry, last week. Uh, so we're hoping to keep him a little fresher and give him the rock a little bit more this uh, Friday night. Uh, and then receiver wise, we've got, uh, you know, a handful of guys that are, Six four that can go get the ball, so we just got to give them an opportunity to uh, do that. Um, and then you kind of turn over to the the defensive side, and again we start quite a few young guys. You know, we got a sophomore at uh, corner, we got a sophomore at uh, linebacker, and uh, you know the guys that rotate in that front uh, are pretty much the same guys that rotate along our offensive line. Um, you know, we got uh, along with Jordan Smith and. Um, a couple other guys that, uh, um, you know, that, that add some, some quality depth for us. Um, you know, not overly huge guys, but uh, guys with good motors and guys that, uh, uh, you know, really get after the quarterback. A few minutes here. Andrew Sherman's with us, head coach Lincoln Southwest, as we're talking high school ball this week under the lights at Seacrest Southwest Southeast. And uh, I want to spend a second on Nolan Milius. Uh, he is a tremendous talent uh, and a uh, big-time ball player. And looking at some of the numbers last week against Gretna, the, the number of tackles for loss, his total tackle numbers, really good defensive end for you, but also a matchup issue for teams trying to cover him at tight end. Go to your quarterback, and when you when you talk about Colin being a sophomore, that's a young, young age to be starting in Class A, but that said, uh, he's got a lot of skills like you touched on. What did you like most about he hand, about how he handled his first start his, his, you know, on the road? You know, he's a, he's a competitor, and I think that's what I like the best about him. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, everything didn't go his way, and, and uh, you know, it, he'd be the first one to admit that he made a few, uh, uh, you know, missed a few uh, reads that, uh, you know, he could have taken. 
you know, he could have thrown the ball a couple more times on some running plays. And, and uh, you know, those are things that, that, that a sophomore just doesn't get the, the full picture of until he gets those game reps and that game action. So, like I said, I mean, he's going to be better this week. And, and you know, by week four or five, we're, we're going to, you know, refer to him more as a junior type guy because, uh, you know, he really he really has the whole package as far as speed and athleticism. But, man, he's just savvy and nothing gets to him. He really just kind of just, you know, lives live for the next play. What, uh, what are folks going to be able to hear – uh, when it comes to your style, what do you like to do offensively? What do you like? To, what do you prefer to do defensively? Well, I tell you what, defensively, we really like to fly around. I mean, we're uh, we're uh, uh, kind of a gap control defense. Uh, we like to send a linebacker pretty much every play. Uh, you know, either inside or outside. You know, we really hope to get some pressure on guys. Um, you know, we're we're uh, uh, you know a pursuit type defense. So uh, against a running team, you know, Southeast is a little bit more. Uh, uh, of a running team, they throw well, um, but they're a little bit more of a run team, uh, which uh, you know sometimes sometimes our style uh, matches up pretty good against that, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think uh, uh, you know it's just going to be us making those one-on-one tackles, and if we're able to do that, I think that's going to you know bode well for us, obviously. Quick thought on on Southeast. You mentioned they're good on the ground overall. What 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 sticks out on film? Yeah, you know what. They, they might be they might be uh, as good at all three levels on their defense and offense, uh, meaning uh, you know they got offensive linemen, defensive linemen that can play. Um, they've got linebackers and running backs that can play, and they've got receivers and DBs that can play. And lots of times you go against the team and they're maybe missing one of those levels. And and Southeast is a very uh, well-rounded team. You know they've got some ability at every single one of those. Um, and I know they've got some youth too. And uh, you know they're really excited about those young guys they've got playing. So uh, it should be a should be a tremendous game. Can't wait for it, Coach. Best of luck, it's Andrew Sherman, head coach of Southwest. We'll see you at Seacrest, and thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely, thank you very much for having me. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal in for Chris Schmidt, filling in on this Friday edition of Hail Varsity Radio. We're winding down the show here, uh, but we still have good stuff coming up tonight here on ESPN Lincoln. You just heard the interviews from Andrew Sherman and from uh, Ryan Gatula as Lincoln Southeast takes on Lincoln Southwest tonight as Seacrest Field coverage begins here on ESPN Lincoln at 7.50 for our local listeners. You can also catch that one on our web stream, ESPNLincoln.com if you are not a local area listener. I do have some late-breaking news uh, to report on, and it's not the late-breaking news that we were hoping for today. Uh, the, the news we're hoping for, obviously, was an October 10th start. It's uh, pretty, been made pretty clear that's not going to be happening. Uh, but we do have news that freshman linebacker Keyshawn Green has entered the transfer portal for Nebraska. He is the first uh, proverbial domino to fall. Uh, we kind of talked about this on the show, how... Uh, this news about COVID, the Big Ten canceling the season, is it going to lead to guys uh, leaving the team? Unsure if this is COVID-related, related to the Big Ten at all, but Keyshawn Green has announced his intentions to in- enter the transfer portal, if you remember. Uh, he's that fast inside linebacker from down in Florida. Huskers got late in the 2020 class. 
Uh, he was timed running a sub 4-5-40 uh, at a camp. He was also uh, an Under Armour All-American this year, played in the Under Armour All-America game. Uh, really big loss for the Huskers. But the question that it presents is what does that mean for the current linebackers that are on the Nebraska football roster? You have uh, another newcomer in Atava Moga Clements still on the roster. Heard good things about him through the limited spring ball and what the coaches have seen of him. Uh, you also have Luke Reimer, the walk-on from North Star. Uh, hearing also great things about him through spring practices and his development. He was one of those guys that was a bit unheralded going into last season, got some big playtime against Rutgers especially, and uh, has been looking good according to the coaching staff. Got Colin Miller, uh, Nick Henrich, who missed out on his entire freshman season because of injury. He's going to be coming back hopefully health, uh, healthy this season, as well as Garrett Snodgrass, another redshirt freshman. I mean, the, the options at linebacker for Nebraska, they're there. Will Honus, you expecting him to start? You're expecting Colin Miller to start? Jackson Hanna, you're expecting to get some production out of hopefully soon. He was a, a big-time recruit coming in. But Nebraska now loses their, their biggest commit at linebacker from the, the Scott Frost era in Keyshawn Green as he announces his intentions to transfer. Unsure where he's going to be going, but his name has been entered into the transfer portal. And it's not the news you like to hear. But the hope is that this transfer is more based on there's guys ahead of him that are going to get the playing time. There's other guys that Nebraska has brought in who are ahead of him on the depth chart, and he, he's going somewhere else for playing time. And if that's the case, all the best to him. He, he made his choice. He came to Nebraska, decided it wasn't for, for him. All the best to him. Um, but you just got to hope that this is about guys being ahead of him that are going to be getting playing time. They're going to be getting experience because that linebacker position, it, it's a big question mark for the Huskers. It was the weak point of the defense last year, and you're now losing the most talented addition you had in the 2020 class, at least uh, according to the recruiting metrics. So big loss for the Huskers on a Friday. That's all we got for Hale Varsity Radio today, though. Uh, reminder that we do have the Saturday morning show coming up tomorrow morning. That's going to be Mark Cranack, me, Elijah Herbal, and Damon Barr in here producing at 7 a.m. here on ESPN Lincoln for the local listeners. It's going to be available in podcast form for the listeners across the state as well. Excited for that one as Chris gets the morning off again again. Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery coming up at 7.50 night. Coverage begins Lincoln Southeast, Lincoln Southwest. You're not going to miss that. It's the intercity battle uh, between the South here in Lincoln. Uh, talk to you tomorrow morning.